That's what we talked about last week was to look up. Since it says, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if you haven't turned there yet. We have, <clears throat> we have some great words from Paul the Apostle. Uh, he says, since then, verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things, hearts on things above. Look up. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So really the, the, the whole thought here is that, that we need to be heavenly minded so that we can be some good here on earth. Because if we, if we don't have our, our, our thoughts and our minds and our hearts fixed on heaven, we're not going to help anybody down here. We're going to be just as down and, and low as them. Look up, he says, because God will take care of the things down here. And he says, Jesus is returning. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. He's returning. He's got some special, incredible things planned for you and I. He's going to transform us. So to turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow, what? Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We haven't done that song for a long time. We should do it. Let's just do it right now. No, just kidding. So, so Paul, again, this idea about being heavenly minded. Now, does that mean, looking at verses 1 through 4, does that mean that we don't pay any attention to what's going on down here? That it doesn't really matter how we live down here? Because we got our heads in the clouds, so it really doesn't matter what we're doing down here. We got our heads up in the clouds up there with the, at the throne of God, and, and we know that that's where we're going. Some of the false teaching at that time were saying just that, that it really doesn't matter what you do down here. In fact, you know, it's this, this weird kind of a Eastern thinking, like matter doesn't matter. Matter doesn't matter. It's just the spiritual thing, the physical thing. It doesn't really matter. So what they were doing is anything and everything. But the, the scripture says just the opposite, that it does matter. And Paul has some very serious, practical things here, here to say to us, some very hard-hitting words that are just for today. When you, when, you, when you read them, you'll see. He talks about this battle that we face. It's a battle. It's not just anything goes. It's a battle that we have got to fight, that we have to battle our own sinful nature and our own flesh. The world, the flesh, and the devil, there's battles all around us. And he says, you know, you don't just give in and give up. You fight, he says. That's what he's saying. Let's look at verse 5. Verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he gives us a list here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. That's, that list, that sounds just like the normal TV lineup to me. Doesn't it? 
It sounds like, you know, a primetime lineup right there, that list, including the commercials. If you like football or, or NASCAR, or whatever, you got to watch all the commercials for all the stuff that maybe you don't and you won't watch, but you get to see it all in the commercials. But that's where the world is today. But is that cool for us too? That's, that's the question. Is it cool for us? That's not cool. He says in verse 5, the first three words there, put to death. Some versions say mortify, which means put to death. Put to death. That's kind of a drastic thing, isn't it? Put to death these things. Drastic action doesn't speak about like pampering or coddling. He said, but put them to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Paul, why do, you, why do you talk like this? Does that mean that we have to go out and commit suicide? There's a sense that it's figurative, yes. But it's, none, it's nonetheless severe. It's nonetheless drastic. It's nonetheless you know, crucial that we put to death these things. Our flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, Jesus said it, but we've got to fight against the flesh. We don't just give up. How about Jesus? What did he say? Matthew chapter 5, you know these verses, but let's look at them anyway. anyways. You know, uh, when, when you read passages like this in the Bible, you, just, you almost have to let the Bible speak for what it wants to tell us, because you're going against the grain of the world all around you. In some places, you could get yourself in trouble. In some countries, you can get in trouble for teaching against what the world around you is saying. But these aren't my words. These aren't my opinions. This is what, this is what the Bible teaches and what Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. Actually, let's start in verse 27. You heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's kind of severe, isn't it? That's kind of, kind of radical, is what he's saying here. You need to do radical things, and that's what Paul is saying back here in Colossians 3. He says it to each one of us that we need to put to death these things. We don't just get on the roller coaster with the rest of the world. We need, to, we need to say, this is what God's word says to me, to those of us that belong to him. The first thing he mentioned there is sexual immorality. That's, like, that's what our world really is all about. Our society is all about all the entertainment, all the, you know, all the things that, you know, the commercials and the, and the, the uh, <clears throat> sex sells. What is sexual immorality? You can define it very, very simply. It's anything outside of God's plan and purpose, which is one woman, one man in marriage. 
That's God's plan and purpose for us as believers, as Christians. Anything outside of that, you can, I don't need to make a list of all the things that are outside of that. You already know. You see it day in and day out. Now, does that mean we go out and judge everybody around us? No, but, but because the world is going that way, it doesn't mean that we go that way. We are responsible for ourselves. I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for all the world out there. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I know that we need to love people no matter what they're involved in. We don't have to love what they do. One commentator, he said, sexual sin was the cardinal offense of the pagan world in Paul's day, and doubtless it still holds first place. I don't know that it's changed at all. But Paul is saying here in Colossians that you can't just, you know, take it easy with this kind of thing. You need to do something serious about it. You need to think about it, and, and, and we'll talk in a minute about uh, specific kinds of things that we need to do. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, I want the Bible to speak for itself. God's Word, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. And we're only looking at some of the verses. There's so many, many more. But look what he says there in verse 18. He says what? Flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Don't stand around. Don't linger. He says, flee from it. This is serious. And look what he says here. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. We sin against ourselves. And the fruit of it is within ourselves. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? He says, put it to death. He says here, flee from it, run from it, watch out. It's very, very real. And it's going to affect you and it's going to affect me if we go in those directions. But our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in us whom we receive from God. I read this about the Illinois Department of Natural Resources. It, it said that, that uh, more than 17,000 deer die each year after being struck by the cars on the highway. And the wildlife directory says the peak season for this is in the late fall. And why is that? He says because the bucks are in rut in November and they're concentrating almost exclusively on reproductive activities, he said, and are a lot less wary than they normally would be. And this writer says, deer aren't the only ones destroyed by preoccupation with sex. They're destroyed. They're killed. And you know what? It'll kill us. It will kill us. It will kill you. That's what the Bible says. You, you, if you read Proverbs chapters 5, 6, and 7, there's sections, huge sections in there about, about adultery about going outside of, of what God's plan is. Let me just read to you two of the verses. He says, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty. 
or let her captivate you with her eyes, for the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, and the adulteress preys upon your very life. You're reduced to a loaf of bread, and you're, you, you know, your very life is endangered. You say, well, that's not what the world says. Let's just close our eyes, what the world says, and just do whatever we want to do. Uh, it says in, uh, let's see, where did I read that about uh, lovers of pleasure in 2 Timothy? That, that in the last days, he says, there'll be perilous times. He says, people will be lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Pleasure takes first place. How about 1 John? Let's, uh, let's not just take it uh, for uh, what Paul has to say about it. What did John the Apostle have to say it for? 1 John chapter 2, James, Peter, John, Jude, Revelation. So right before Revelation... 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Familiar verses. Let's start in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the flesh, the lust of his eyes, And the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. That's pretty pretty clear too, isn't it? What it's all about, what what we're seeing, what we're what we're experiencing around us, the world. He says that's that doesn't come from the Father. It's not coming from the Father. It's coming from the world. Back in Colossians, he adds uh, to that list, he talks about uh, sexual immorality. He talks about impurity. He talks about lust, evil desires. And then those are all kind of related in, in, in some way. But then he also adds greed. And they really are kind of related in a sense because greed means you're coveting. You want something. You want that. I got to have that. I got to have more. And he says that these things actually become idolatry. Because idolatry in its definition is anything that takes first place. Anything that takes first place in our lives. Let's turn to Ephesians. Back from Colossians, two books. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. This doesn't get much clearer than this. Again, I, couldn't, I can't say it any better than what it says here, that this is what God is saying to us. He says, among you, that is God's people, God's children, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. These are improper for God's holy people. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. 
That's pretty clear, isn't it? I don't know how you read that, but, but he's saying that, listen, for, for those that are God's people, he said, this is not how we are to be. In fact, he says there that, that if, if that's the, the, the type of lives that we're living and, and a part of, we may not even be his people. He says, such a man, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, that, that okay, we, we, we fall, we, we make mistakes, we all do, we sin. But, but he's saying someone who's just continually, that's the, the way your life is. That's the way my life, he says, you better look out, you better watch out, he says. It's got to be something different. Put to death. Back in Colossians now. Put to death, he says. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality. You've got to get serious impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. We have got to do what we need to do. So you say, okay, what is it that I need to do? Well, well, you know, the first thing is, is we should not Wait, when should we deal with these things? Next week? Next month? We all say, well, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but procrastination, you know, is something I struggle with. Procrast- I'm gonna do, I'll do that. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'll do that the next day. No, you've got to do it now. You've got to take serious steps immediately. Don't linger. Don't hesitate. Don't ponder with these kinds of things because it's only going to ruin you. It's only going to ruin your life. You remember the story of Joseph, right, in the book of Genesis, right? And, and Joseph found himself in a position, right, where the woman was trying to seduce him. You, you're right, you, remember, you know the story? And what did he do? Let's just talk about this for a little while, Mrs. Potiphar. <laughs> Let's just think about, like, the, the ramifications of what would happen. Let's just think about... Let's, maybe we should get some counseling about this. What did he do? He ran for his life. Paul says in another, in another place to flee youthful lust. You've got to get out of there. You've got to, and, and, and for Joseph, the consequences actually didn't work out that great immediately. In the long run, it certainly did. But right then, he actually got himself arrested because she lied about the whole thing. And because she was you know, married to someone with power. But in the end, Joseph's integrity, Joseph's following the right path, got him to a place where he then became number two, way over what this man and his wife position was. When should we deal with these things? We need to do, do it now. We need to deal, deal with it now. We need to take steps now. Where is that coming from? Maybe, maybe it's a, a places that you go. You shouldn't go there. Maybe you should not be there. Maybe there are certain relationships that you need to break off and you need to do it now. Maybe there are boundaries that you need to set. And say, listen, I can't, I can't go here. I can't get involved with this. We have a policy here at the church that, that you know, we, we, we don't have a, a man and a woman here alone by themselves. 
We have boundaries. We have, we have protection that we, that we said, unless it's, you know, my wife. I'm not going to be here and with another woman here, so I'll leave. Or wait till someone else comes and, and, and you've got to take precautions. How many of you have remote controls for your TV set? Any of you have a remote control? Let me ask you, how many do not have a remote control for your TV set? And the only reason you don't have it is because you cannot find it. When something comes on, it is, it's imperative. Change the channel. Turn it off. Do something. Don't just watch and go, wow, why are they doing that? Wow. You know, we get sucked right in. No, do it now. Change. Flee. Run. Get out of there. Maybe there's a computer. Let me ask you another question. How many of you do not have a computer? A couple of you. God bless you people. I think, I think the computer is an incredible tool, incredible tool, but it's also an incredible weapon, tool of the enemy, a tool against our flesh. If you have not realized this, you know, you're not connected to the Internet or something. They say that, you know, the pornography in the Internet is, is uh, they're, you know, I don't know the numbers, but it's like phenomenal, the numbers of pornographic websites, way more than, than other things that are good. How can you not get affected by that? I, I personally will not set up a computer without, without some kind of protection on there in my house at this church. I will not allow a computer to be run here in my house, here, this isn't my house. My house is over there. Here, because I feel responsible without some kind of protection. Protection for me. Not just for all the other people. I'm trying to protect all you other people. No, I'm trying to protect me from falling into some abyss, some pit, some hole. Some, you know, uh, cesspool of wickedness. My flesh, you know, is just as susceptible as anybody else's. You know, it used to be only a, a male problem. Now it's female, too. It's a, it, you know, it crosses all, all uh, boundaries. How many, how many times have people said, you know, oh, I got to do something about this, and I'll, and I'll do it. I'll do it, you know, next time. I'll do it next week. I'll get some... I'll get some kind of a program. I'll, I'll get some kind of accountability. I'll do something next time. Don't wait. Put to death these things. You've got to put it to death. There are some cases and some people where I think the right thing is to do to never have a, a computer in your house ever, ever, ever because it's just too much. There are some people for example, who have a problem with alcohol, using that as an example, should never, ever, ever have a drop of alcohol because it's too much. Not, 
Well, you know, I can have a little bit. I can do a little bit. No, 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 no. Put it to death, he says. You say, well, why are you harping on this? Because you know what? The statistics and the studies say that in a group this size, a big percentage are getting trapped or getting sucked in or getting eaten up. And for me to not say a word about it would be irresponsible. I'm sorry. You got to do what you got to do if it means disconnecting the internet, maybe disconnecting cable, maybe disconnecting certain things, uh, putting in, you know, uh, uh, protection and parental, you know, it's only parental, uh, what do they call it? Controls, parental controls. What about the parents? Who's going to control the parents? You know, the kids are all in bed when the parental controls need to be in place to control the parents. Yeah, we do need to protect our kids. There's no question about it. I, I know even when my kids were growing up and, and we'd watch, you know, something and I, you know, I'd have to like afterwards go, wow, why did I not even turn that off? That was garbage. Why didn't I not do something? And I'd have to go to them and, and sit by the side of their bed saying, and say, I'm sorry that I didn't turn that off. That was bad. That was bad. Do something. Do anything. Set parental controls. You know, have someone else have the password. Have someone else that, that, that you know, be a, you can be accountable to. You don't need to, to talk to the whole world about it. But, but you know, I've been, you know, uh, you know, have accountability partners with people. And, I, and I, if I have to make a change uh, with a computer and take my, uh, my, uh, my program off, I'll, I'll let my wife know. I say, you know, I'm making some changes and I want you to know that I have the program off right now and so I can, because you have to, like, if you get a new computer or whatever, and I'll let her know. You've you got to have accountability. It's not a bad thing. It's not a, you know, like, well, I'm admitting to something bad. Well, you know, you're admitting that you're human and you live in a body of flesh and the flesh wants to go in all kinds of weird and wicked and crazy directions. Don't think that you're immune. What does the Bible say? To him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he what? Fall. When we start to think, I got this together. I've, I got this covered. Why do we need to do something? Look at verse 6. He says, because of these because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Whoa. The wrath of God is coming. Now, that's not something that we talk about a lot, you know. We just want to talk about the love of God. And that's all we're going to talk about. But he says here, the wrath of God's coming because of this sort of thing. You know, God bless our country, but, you know, God have mercy on our country. God have mercy on our country and on us as people, the people of this country, not just them out there, but all of us that we have let our society get to such a place, the place of Sodom and Gomorrah. The wrath of God came upon a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. He says the wrath of God is coming. Maybe in some ways it's already, we already see it. I found a verse, I'd, I'd never really read this before, but in, in Psalm 7 it says this, God is a righteous judge, 
a God who expresses his wrath every day. We know that God is a God of love, but he's also a God with righteous wrath. He's the only one whose wrath and anger later on in this passage, we're not going to get there today uh, talking about anger. He's the only one whose anger is totally and completely righteous and pure. But he is, he's, it says he expresses his wrath every day. Did you know that? Every day in different ways that, that we probably do not even understand. That kind of goes along with Romans chapter 1. Let's look there. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, you say, do you have to keep talking about this? <laughs> it's, so, it's so huge. It's so important. And this is maybe my only chance to talk about it for, you know, like two weeks or something. No, two years, two months, whatever. When we get to it again, I'll talk about it again. That's why we go verse by verse. So I, I, I'm not going to jump over that passage and say, well, I'm not going to talk about that thing. No, we, if it's there, we'll talk about it. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. You could read the whole chapter, but let's just look at verses 18 and 19. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. And if you go on and look at see where God says he gave them over, he let them go. That, that's the direction you want to go. Part of his wrath is like going, let, go ahead, go ahead. Gave them over to the perversions and the things that, that uh, our society is trying to tell us is perfectly okay. Not according to God's word. How about Galatians chapter 6? Galatians chapter 6. The wrath of God being expressed every single day. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And the one who sows to please his sinful nature or flesh, from that nature will reap what? Destruction and the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He says it's, it is a spiritual principle that cannot be uh, done away with. God cannot be mocked. Don't be deceived. Don't kid yourself. The world's deception program, like it's okay to do this, 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 and this. Don't be deceived by that. Watch out what the world is saying. Watch out what your own flesh, my own flesh is trying to tell you. Well, it's okay. No, 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 no. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You know, we just kind of closed our eyes to all the, the fruit of the quote-unquote sexual revolution. Oh, it's just wonderful. Oh, really? You know, sexually transmitted diseases has, has like increased to like such a phenomenal rate. It's completely out of control. Do a Google search about that. Families being destroyed. Divorce, abortion. It just goes on and on. The sexual revolution is destroyed. It hasn't brought freedom. It's brought bondage is what it's brought. 
A man reaps what he sows. If you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. And that's where we've gone. Let's just uh, look at um, verse 7 before we close this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. Let's get a little positive here. He said, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. You used to be there. You used to do that. That used to be part of who we were before we became believers, before we gave our lives to Christ. But something happened. Something changed about the way our lives. And that's what he's saying here is, is you, you, you need to understand who you are and what God's done in your life. Paul said in Ephesians 5, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. There's been a great change. There's been a great change. Look at verse 8. He says, but now you must rid yourselves. First he says, put to death. Now he says, rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We'll talk about this, those things next time. Turn with me two passages I want to close with today before communion. Romans chapter 13 and Hebrews chapter 12. Romans chapter 13 and Hebrews chapter 12. Next week we'll talk about anger and lying, which doesn't affect any of us here. But like I said, if it's there, we need to read it anyways. <laughs> Romans chapter 13 and Hebrews chapter 12. Romans chapter 13, verse 12 says, The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. It's urgent. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The night's nearly over. The day is almost here. We're closer now than we ever were to being with our Savior Jesus. So he said, watch it. Clothe yourselves with Christ. And then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And two very familiar verses, but think about this, how it applies to what we're reading in Colossians. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there's a great cloud of witnesses watching. He said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin so that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Put to death. Here he says, throw off and run the race. Those things, those weights, you know, that... That picture of trying to run the race, you know, with lead, with lead boots on. It, it's kind of difficult. Looking unto Jesus. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the only way we're going to, make, we're going to run this race. It's the only, only way we're going to make it to the finish line. Looking unto the cross, our Savior Jesus. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll do that. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and it's hard hitting. And sometimes we think, well, whoever's writing those words has no clue what my life's all about. Well, I know you know us. You see us. You know us. And that's why you gave us those words, because we need to fight. We need to run. We need to run that race, and sometimes running that race is running away from those things that will, will put us in bondage and put us in destruction. God, how many of our lives and how many of people's lives we know have been destroyed in one way or another through just pandering to the flesh, to our own flesh? God, protect us. God, we, we run to you. Because you were put to death for those very things. And we run to you, who, the only one who has the power over those things. And we come to you this morning.